Uh, emotion and the art of uh, negotiation. It is without question my favorite day of the semester. The day when I teach my MBA students a negotiation exercise called honoring the contract. I assign students to partners and each reads a different account of a fictitious troubled relationship between a supplier, a manufacturer of a computer components and a client, a search engine startup. They learn that the two parties signed a detailed contract eight months earlier, but now they are at odds over several of the terms. Sales volume pricing product, reliability and energy efficiency specs. Each student assumes the role of either client or supplier and receives confidential information about company finances and politics. Then each pair is tasked with renegotiating a process that could lead to an amended deal, termination of the contract or expensive litigation. What makes this simulation interesting, however, lies not in the details of the case but in the top of secrets instructions given to one side of each pairing before the exercise begins. Please start the negotiation with a display of anger. You must display anger for a minimum of 10 minutes at the beginning. The instructions go on to give specific tips for showing anger. Interrupt the uh, other party. Call her unfair or unreasonable. Blame her personally for the disagreement. Raise your voice. Before the negotiations begins, I spread the pairs all over the building so that the students can't see how others are behaving. Then as the pairs negotiate, I walk around and observe. Although some students struggle, many are spectacularly good at feigning anger. They wag a finger in their partner's face. They pace around. I have never seen the exercise result in a physical confrontation, but it has come close. Some of the negotiators who did not get the secret instructions react. By trying to defuse the other person's anger, but some react angrily themselves and it's amazing how quickly the emotional responses escalate. When I bring everyone back into the classroom after 30 minutes, there are always students still yelling at each other or shaking their heads in disbelief. During the this. During the debriefing, we survey the pairs to see how angry they felt and how they fared in resolving the problem. Often the more anger the parties showed, the more likely it was that the negotiation ended poorly. For example, in litigation or an impasse, no deal. Once I have clued the entire class in on the setup, discussion invariably makes its way to this key insight. Bringing anger to a negotiation is like throwing a bomb into the process and it's apt to have a profound effect on the outcome. Until 20 years ago, few researchers paid much attention to the role of emotion in negotiating, how feelings can influence the way people overcome conflict, reach agreement, can create value when dealing with another party. Instead, negotiation scholars focus primarily on strategy and tactics, particularly the ways in which parties can identify and consider alternatives, use leverage, and execute the choreography of offers and counter-offers, scientific understanding of negotiation also tended to home in on the transactional nature of working out a deal, how to get the most money or profit from the process. Even when experts started looking at psychological influences on negotiations, they focused on diffuse and non-specific moods, such as whether negotiators felt generally positive or negative, and how that affected that behavior. Over the past decade, however, researchers have begun examining how specific emotions, anger, sadness, disappointment, anxiety, envy, excitement, and regret can affect the behavior of the negotiators. 
they have studied the differences between what happens when people simply feel these emotions and what happens when they also express them to the other party through words or actions in negotiations that are less transactional and involve parties in long term relationship understanding the rules of emotions is even more important than it is in transactional deal making this new branch of research is proving extremely useful we all have the ability to regulate how we experience emotions and specific strategies can help us improve tremendously in that regard we also have some control over the extent to which we express our feelings and again there are specific ways to cloak or emphasize an expression of emotion when doing so may be advantageous for instance research shows that feeling or looking anxious results a suboptimal negotiation outcome so individuals who are prone to anxiety when brokering a deal can take a certain steps both to limit their nervousness and to make it less obvious to the negotiation to their negotiation opponent the same is true for other emotions in the pages that follow i discuss and share coping strategies for many of the emotions people typically feel over the course of a negotiation anxiety is most likely to crop up before the process begins or during its early stages we are prone to experience anger or excitement in the heat of the discussions and we are most likely to feel disappointment sadness or regret in the aftermath avoid uh, avoiding anxiety anxiety is a state of distress in reaction to threatening stimuli particularly noble situations that have the potential for undesirable outcomes in contrast to anger some motivates people to escalate conflict the fight part of the fight or flight response anxiety trips the flight switch and makes people want to exit the scene because patience and persistence are often desirable when negotiating uh, negotiating the urge to exit quickly to counter productive but the negative effects of feelings anxious while negotiating may go further in my recent research i wondered if anxious negotiators also develop low aspirations and expectations which could lead them to make timid first offers a behavior that directly predicts poor negotiating outcomes in work with maurice schwitzer uh, schwitzer in 2011 i explored how anxiety influences negotiations first we surveyed 185 professionals about the emotions they expected to feel before negotiating with a stranger negotiating to buy a car and negotiating to increase their salary when dealing with a stranger or asking for a higher salary anxiety was a dominant emotional expectations when negotiating for the car anxiety was the second only to excitement to understand how anxiety can affect negotiators we then asked a separate group of 136 participants to negotiate a cell phone contract that required agreeing on the purchase price a warranty period and the length of the contract we induced anxiety in half the participants by having them listen to the continuous 3 minute clips of the menacing theme music from the film psycho while the other half listening to pleasant music by handel researchers call this incidental emotional manipulation and it's quite powerful listening to the psycho music is genuinely uncomfortable people's palms get sweaty and some listeners become jumpy in this experiment the three others we found that anxiety had a significant effect on how people negotiated people experiencing anxiety made weaker first offers responded more quickly to each move the counterpart made and were more likely to exit negotiations early even though the their instructions clearly warned that exciting early would reduce the value they received from the negotiation anxious negotiators made deals that were 12% less financially attractive than those made by negotiators in the neutral <coughs> group we did discover one caveat however people who gave themselves high ratings in a survey on negotiating aptitude were less affected by anxiety than others 
those experiments examined what happens when people feel anxious but what happens when they express that uh, that anxiety making it clear to their counterparts that they are nervous and perhaps vulnerable in 2012 with Francesca Gino and Maurice Schwitzer I conducted eight experiments to explore how anxious people behaved in situations in which they could seek advice from others we found that relative to people who did not feel anxious they were less confident more likely to consult others when making decisions and less able to discriminate between good and bad advice in the most relevant of these experiments we found that anxious participants did not discount advice from someone with a stated conflict of interest whereas subjects feeling neutral emotions looked upon that advice skeptically although this research didn't directly address how the subjects would negotiate it suggests that people who express anxiety are more likely to be taken advantage of in a negotiation especially if the other party senses their distress excellent negotiators often make their counterparts feel anxious on purpose for example on the tv show shark tank six wealthy investors negotiate with entrepreneurs hoping for hoping for funding the entrepreneurs must pitch their ideas in front of a huge television audience and face questions from the investors and that are often aggressive and un unev unnerving as this is going on stress inducing music fills the tv studio this setup does more than create drama and entertainment for viewers it also intentionally puts pressure on the entrepreneurs the sharks are professional negotiators who want to knock the entrepreneurs off balance so that it will be easier to take ownership of their good ideas at the lowest price possible when multiple sharks want to invest they often drop comments that are intended to make opposing investors anxious too if you watch the show closely you will probably notice a pattern the entrepreneurs who seem less least rattled by the environmental stressors tend to negotiate the most carefully and deliberately and often strike the best deals managing the counterparts emotions negotiating is an interpersonal process there will always be at least one party and often many more involved in the adjoining article i discuss how to manage your own emotions during a negotiation but what about the other people at the table can you manage their emotions as well i suggest two strategies for doing so be observant perceiving how other people are feeling is a critical component of emotional intelligence and it's particularly key in negotiations as adam galinsky and his colleagues have found so tune in to your counterpart's body language tone of voice and choice of words when her verbal and non-verbal cues don't match up ask questions for example you are telling me you like this outcome but you seem uneasy is something making you uncomfortable or you say you are angry but you seem somewhat pleased are you truly upset about something or are you trying to intimidate me Asking pointed questions based on your perceptions of the other party's emotional expressions will make it easier for you to understand her perspective at ask people are shockingly bad at according to research by Nicholas Eppley it will also make it difficult for a counterpart to lie to you evidence suggests that people prefer to tell lies of omission by about facts rather than lies of commission about feelings don't be afraid to exert direct influence on your counterpart's emotions This may sound manipulative or even unscrupulous but you can use this influence for good for example if your counterpart seems anxious or angry injecting humor or empathetic reassurance or can dramatically change the tone of the interaction by the same token if your counterpart seems overconfident or pushy expressing well placed anger can inspire a healthy dose of fear 
In recent research with Elizabeth Bailey Wolf, I have found that it's possible to go even further in managing others' emotion. You display an emotion, your counterpart sees it, and then you shape his interpretation of it. For example, imagine that you start crying at work. Crying is a difficult to control and often embarrassing behavior. Saying, I'm in tears because I'm passionate rather than I'm sorry, I'm so emotional, can completely change the way others react and the way they view your self-control and competence. Third-party negotiators will uh, be less anxious because their skills are better honed. The process is routine for others and they have a lower personal stake in the outcome. Outsourcing your negotiation may sound like a cop-out, but it's a frequent practice in many industries. Home buyers and sellers use real estate brokers partly for their negotiating experience. It leads authors, actors, and even some business executives rely on agents to hammer out contracts. Although there are costs to this approach, they are often more than offset by the more favorable terms that can be achieved. And although anxious negotiators may have the most may have the most to gain from involving a third party because anxiety can be a particularly difficult emotion to regulate in an uncomfortable setting. This strategy can also be useful when other negative emotions surface. Managing anger. Like anxiety, anger is a negative emotion but instead of being self-focused, it's usually directed towards someone else. In most circumstances, we try to keep our tempers in check when it comes to negotiating. However, Many people believe that anger can be a productive emotion that one will help them win a larger share of the pie. This view stems from a tendency to view negotiations in competitive terms rather than collaborative ones. Researchers call this the fixed pie bias. People, particularly those with limited experience making deals, assume that a negotiation is a zero-sum game in which their own interests conflict directly with a counterpart's more experienced negotiators in contrast looks for ways to expand the pie through collaboration rather than nakedly trying to snatch a bigger slice. Anger, the thinking goes, makes one seem stronger, more powerful and better able to succeed. In this graph for value, in fact, there's a body of research, much of it by Keith Allard, Allred, a former faculty member at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government, that documents the consequences of feeling angry while negotiating. This research shows <clears throat> that anger often harms the process by escalating conflict, biasing perceptions and making impasses more likely. It also reduces joint gains, decreases cooperation, intensifies competitive behavior and increases the rate at which offers are rejected. Angry negotiators are less accurate than neutral negotiators both in recalling their own interests and in judging other parties' interests and angry negotiators may seek to harm or retaliate against their counterparts even though a more cooperative approach might increase the value that both sides can claim from the negotiation. Despite these findings, many people continue to see advantages to feeling or appearing angry. Some even attempt to turn up the volume on their anger because they think it will make them more effective in the negotiation. In my own research, I have found that given a choice between feeling angry and feeling happy while negotiating more, then half the participants want to be in an angry state and view it as significantly advantageous. There are cases when feelings angry can lead to better outcomes. Research by Gerben Van Cleef at the University of Amsterdam demonstrates that in a one-time transaction negotiation with few opportunities to collaborate to create value, any angry negotiator can wind up with a better deal. There may be even there may even be situations in which a negotiator decides to feign anger because the counterpart in an attempt to diffuse that anger is likely to give 
ground on terms this might work well if you are haggling with a stranger to buy a car for for example but negotiators who play this card must be aware of the cost showing anger in a negotiation damages the long term relationship between two parties it reduces liking and trust research by Rachel Campagna at the University of New Hampshire shows that false representations of anger may generate small tactical benefits but also lead to considerable and persistent blowback that is faking anger can create authentic feelings of anger which in turn diminish trust for both parties along the same lines research by Jeremy Yip and Martin Schwensberg demonstrates that people who encounter an an angry negotiator are more likely to walk away preferring to let the process end in a stalemate <coughs> in many contexts then feeling or expressing anger as a negotiating tactic can backfire so in most cases stamping down any anger you feel and limiting the anger you express is a smarter strategy this may be hard to do but there are tactics that can help building rapport before building rapport before during and after a negotiation can reduce the odds that are other, that the other party will become angry if you seek to frame the negotiation cooperatively to make it clear that you are seeking to win when seeking a win win solution instead of trying to get the lion's share of a fixed pie you may limit the other party's <coughs> perception that an angry grab for value will work well if the other party does become angry apologize seek to soothe even if you feel that his anger is unwarranted recognize that you are almost certainly better positioned tactically if you can reduce the hostility perhaps the most effective way to deal with anger in negotiations is to recognize that many negotiations don't unfold all at once but take place over multiple meetings so if intentions are flaring ask for a break cool off and regroup this isn't easy when you are angry because your fight or flight response urges you to escalate not pull back resist that urge and give the anger time to dissipate in heated negotiations hitting the pause button can be the smartest play <clears throat> finally you might consider reframing anger or as sadness though reframing one negative emotions as another sounds illogical shared feelings of sadness can lead to cooperative concessions making whereas oppositional anger often leads to an impasse handling disappointment and regret it can be attempting to see negotiations in binary terms you either win or lose of course that is generally too simplistic most complex negotiations will end up with each side having achieved some of its goals and not other some mix of wins and loses and lo- loses still uh, as a negotiation winds down it's natural to look at the nascent agreement and feel of imbalance most more positive or negative about it disappointment can be a powerful force when it's expressed to the other party near the end of the negotiation there's a relationship between the anger and disappointment both typically arise when an individual feels wronged and it's useful to understand how one can be used more constructively than the other think back to how you reacted as a child if your parents said i am very disappointed in you instead of i am very angry with you although expressing anger may create defensiveness or increase the odds of a stand of expressing disappointment can serve a more tactical purpose by encouraging the other party to look critically at her own actions and consider whether she wants to change her positions to reduce the negative feelings she is caused you research shows that one cause of disappointment in a negotiation in the in the speed of the process 
when a negotiation unfolds or concludes too quickly participants tends to feel dissatisfied they wonder if they could or should have done more or pushed harder negotiation teachers see this in class exercises often the first students to finish up are the most disappointed by the outcome the obvious way to lessen the likelihood of disappointment is to proceed slowly and deliberately regret is slightly different from disappointment while the latter tends to involve sadness about an outcome someone feeling regret is looking a little more upstream at the course of actions that lead to this unhappy outcome and thinking about the missteps or mistakes that created the disappointment research shows that people are most likely to regret actions they didn't take the missed opportunities and errors of omission rather than errors of commission that can be a powerful insight for negotiators whose primary actions should be asking questions listening proposing solutions and brainstorming new alternatives if the parties can't agree ironically people often don't ask questions while negotiating they may forget to raise important matters or feel reluctant to probe too deeply deep ne- deeming it invasive or rude those fears are often misplaced in fact people who ask a lot of questions tend to be a better light and they learn more things in negotiations informing is information is king and learning should be a central goal one way to reduce the potential for regret is to ask questions without hesitation aim to come away from the negotiation with the sense that every avenue was explored skilled negotiators use another technique to Im- to minimize the odds of regret the post settlement settlement this strategy recognizes that tension often dissipates when there is a deal on the table that makes everyone happy and sometimes the best negotiating happens after that tension is released so instead of shaking hands and doing and ending the deal making one party might say we are good we have terms we can all live with but now that we know we have reached an agreement let's spend a few more minutes chatting to see if we can find anything that sweetens it for both sides then ineptly this might seem as if one party is trying to renege or ne- renegotiate however when handled deftly a post settlement settlement can open a pathway for both sides to become even more satisfied with the outcome and stave off regrets tempering happiness and excitement there isn't much research on how happiness and excitement affects negotiations but intuition and experience suggest that expressing these emotions can have significant consequences the national football league prohibits and penalizes excessive celebrations after a touchdown a big play because such conduct can generate ill will for some reason the winner in a deal should not gloat as the negotiations wrap up nonetheless this happens all the time in workshops i routinely see students unbashedly boast and brag about how they really stuck it to their opponent in the negotiation exercise not only not only do these students risk looking like jerks but in the real world setting they might suffer more dire consequences such as the other parties invoking a right of recession seeking to re- renegotiate or taking punitive action the next time the parties need to strike a deal although it's unpleasant to feel disappointed after a negotiation it can be even worse to make your counterparts feel that way and and in certain situations showing happiness or excitement triggers disappointment in others the best negotiators achieve great deals for themselves but leave their opponents believing that they too did fabulously even if the truth is different 
and deals that involve a significant degree of future collaboration say when the two companies agree to merge or when an actor signs a contract with a producer to star in an upcoming movie it can be appropriate to show excitement but it's important to focus on the opportunities ahead rather than the favorable terms one party just gained another danger of excitement is that it may increase your commitment to strategies of course of action that you would be better off abandoning in my negotiation class we do an exercise in which students must decide whether or not to send a race car driver into an opponent into an important race with a faulty engine despite the risks more students opt to go ahead with the race because they are excited and want to maximize their prize winnings the exercise has parallels to the real life example and the launch of the challenger space shuttle though the engineer who designed the challenger's faulty o-ring had qualms about it nasa managers were overly excited and determined to proceed with the launch their decision ultimately led to the craft's explosion and the loss of its seven crew members there are two lessons for negotiators first be considerate do not let your excitement make your counterparts feel that they lost second be skeptical do not let your excitement lead to overconfidence or an escalation of commitment with the insufficient data negotiating requires some of the same skills that playing poker does a strategic focus the imagination to see alternatives and a knack of assessing odds reading people understanding others positions and bluffing when necessary however whereas the parties in the negotiation must strive for agreement poker players make decisions unilaterally poker also lacks win-win outcomes or pie sharing strategies any given hand is generally a zero sum game with one player's gains coming directly from the other player's pots nonetheless negotiators can learn a crucial lesson from the card table the value of controlling the emotions we feel and especially those we reveal in other words good negotiators need a need to develop a poker face not one that remains expressionless always hiding true feelings but the one th- that displays the right emotions and the right times at the right times and although all human beings experience emotions the frequency and intensity which intensity with which we do differs from person to person to be a better deal maker conduct a thorough assessment of which emotions can emotions you are particularly prone to feel before during and after negotiations and use techniques to minimize or max or maximize the experience and suppress or emphasize the expression of the emotions as needed In one of my favorite scenes from the TV show 30 Rock, the hard-driving CEO Jack Donaghy, Alec Baldwin, who fancies himself an expert negotiator, explains to a col- colleague why he struck a poor deal. I lost because of emotion, which I always thought was a weakness, but now I have learned can also be a weapon. Borrowing Jack's insightful metaphor, I urge you to wield your emotions thoughtfully. Think carefully. about when to draw these weapons when to shoot and when to weep can when to keep them safety safely tuck tucked away in a hidden holster try to avoid feeling anxious be careful about expressing anger ask questions to circumvent disappointment and regret and remember that happiness and excitement can have adverse consequences just as you prepare your tactical and strategic moves before a negotiation you should invest effort in preparing your emotional approach it will be time well spent